Access control is all around us, every day, all day. How do you learn about different products and choose to use them? What licensing do you have to have? And what can you get away with? Residential and standalone keypads aren't access controlled, are they? And what technical skills do you have to have to pull off any access control job? Today, us locksmiths will share our knowledge and experiences about the world of access control. I'm Tim Coleman. And along with Tyler J. Thomas, Jeff Moss, this is The Three Tumblers. When approaching any access control job, the first step is to learn what the customer's goals are. Some customers are simple and just want a keypad where all the employees punch a code in and pull the lever to enter the building. But others may want more accountability. How do you as a locksmith know what hardware is available out there to satisfy your customer? You know, we have spoken before about site evaluations, surveys, quoting, etc. Uh, but we have to interact with the customer to find out what their goals are. What do they want? Do they want live access? Do they want a notification every time Sally comes in door two or Jerry comes in door number seven? Um, then we also have to know what hardware is out there um, that we can provide to our customer to achieve those goals. I think that one of the biggest ways of learning is going to trade shows, going to classes that are held by manufacturers and distributors. We've talked about that before. But if you go to these events, then you can know what's on the market and what the capabilities are. Um, and also, there are times that you can just read a sales sheet on something and say, hey, I, I'll give this a try and try it with one customer uh, based on what they tell you. But we we have to make the hardware meet the customer's goals, right? I mean, Tyler, you've done uh, just a tiny bit of access control in your career, right? <laughs> yeah, first, first two years were nothing but access control before they let me touch locks. So how did you learn what was out there? Uh, it was different back then from what I can remember. Back then, you had to basically have dealer agreements similar to how we have them now with uh, high security. But now it seems like it's, a, well, I don't know for sure, but it seems like it's a lot more open-ended. Uh, it's not proprietary or restricted. I can buy Schlage, NDE. I can get whatever is available. Uh, I'm not just restricted to whatever contract or a dealer or manufacturer I go through. At least that's my understanding. Like I said, I haven't touched it since 2009, so I don't know for sure. Jeff, how do you guys in your shop, like how do y'all find, find out about new access control products? I guess, I mean, it, it with whatever's out there, if there's something we get called to service that we can work on, we figure it out. You know, we've been doing, we've done a lot of carry stuff for the longest time because that was pretty much you know, what the independent smaller locksmith could get. 
you know, now that there's other brands out there, we do a lot of other stuff, um, but we're not into the big systems like Linnell or S2, you know, because you those you do have to be, you know, signed up and have all kinds of, you know, buying agreements and things like that. But I mean, I, you know, for the longest time, it was pretty much only carry. Gotcha. Um, I think you're the only other locksmith that I have like communicated with outside of our area that's familiar with Salto. I, I mean, maybe not familiar, familiar, but you've at least heard of it, right? Yeah, but we don't do anything with it. Gotcha. Um, I didn't know anything about Salto until I started, you know, at the shop that I work for now. Uh, but that's 90% of our full-blown access control system installs when they want a fresh install system. Uh, and, you know, they offer classes, they offer online webinars, and I, I'm not trying to be an ad for them, but I've seen it also with Alarm Lock with their air access system. Um, I've also taken classes for Schlage, uh, Engage systems, uh, like Tyler mentioned. Um, and I think the, the thing is, like, whenever we go to these classes and or presentations, you know, even if it's just a sales pitch, ask questions, you know, say, you know, you know, this system has a feature on it that you like, ask the person presenting this system, this different system, uh, hey, do you have a feature that's similar to this? I mean, Tyler, isn't that like important to ask questions and compare differences to see what system can do what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one I would add to the list you just listed was CDVI. I don't believe they have any buy-in requirements, and you can just start buying. I mean, there's, there's, but there's a hundred different brands, and there's sure. Paxton, there's Pro Data Key that, like, but you know, I, I, I think there's, there's sort of like you can see what's in your area and try to service that, or you can say this is the brand that I'm going to install. You know, if you go to a show for whatever it is, if you're you're going to get bombarded with, the, you know, 12 different manufacturers, you know, it used to be like some parts of the country were all Sargent, some parts of the country were all Schlage, some parts of the country were all Corbin. Now that everything's sort of come together, you're seeing every brand. You can see four different brands in the same building. So, you know, it's not, you know, the, you, you know, here in Cleveland, we have some big institutions that do all, you know, they do their own access control. Um, you know, hospitals and schools and things like that. But, you know, they're still going to have us do the hardware. They might even have us cut in strikes and things like that. And on some instances, you know, a lot of it, the bigger stuff, you just don't get to see unless you're an in-house person. Um, and I know Tyler has done that in the past, you know, like at my college, everything is through Blackboard. So there's a you know, one door, the locksmith might do it, but if it's a whole building, it's all going to be done by electrical contractor, general contractor. Well, and the thing is, too, is that, it, like you were saying, locksmiths can get called in to do, you know, the strikes, to cut in strikes. Um, you know, if the electrical contractor has ran all the wire or if the customer has uh, has already a access control system that they want to use because they've used it in other locations and they are going to uh, wire into that and they just need the, the logsmith to 
install the hardware, you still need to know the hardware. I mean, obviously, electric strikes, mag locks, electrified exit devices and lever sets and dead latches and such. Um, so you ha you have to know those hardware options. I mean, yeah, there's the Adams Wright Steelhawk there, you know, for your electrified dead latch. That's pretty much like your go-to for that. Um, electrified exit devices, you can get kits to modify what's there already. Or if it's a, uh, a fresh install, you can get something, you know, on the market. But kind of knowing what's there, um, you know, that's that's pretty important. Um, so to kind of shift gears a little bit from that, uh, what do you, what do you guys like, Jeff, what, when, when you get information about a new product on the market, uh, hardware or complete system, what kind of, you know, kind of piques your interest in that? I mean, you know, is it something that's serviceable? You know, a big thing is people, you know, find a 10 or 20, whatever dollar Amazon keypad, thumbprint, lock, whatever. And then they want it to work with the rest of the keys in their house. Well, most of the time they're not going to work. They're not serviceable. There's no parts. So if there's something out there, it may look great, but it's really a piece of crap if it can't work with the rest of the industry things that are out there. Same thing, you know, sort of on the network side, like, does it meet the specifications that other equipment does or is it you know have giant security holes um you know is it easy to use how's the support you know there's a hundred different things that you want to take into effect take into account um you know there are some systems where it's a one-off because the customer has it in other places so they want you to expand expand that but you never sell it to anybody else so you know that does happen um, there's also been cases where we pitched a system, did everything, and then the manufacturer discontinued the whole product line. You know, you can't, you can't um, predict that. If you could, you know. <laughs> um, so, right. so that's and, and luckily everything, you know, is pretty deep. I haven't heard of too many issues, but you know, very rarely do we get called. Let's say to wire an apartment building from scratch for intercoms it's we've serviced all their other stuff and they're having a problem and we come fix it yeah so but but as far as like new products on the market like what piques your interest about it like like a new feature or something what oh. would really like get you excited about a product if you were to see it not much <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what about you? Like, if I, I mean, I know you don't do access control really now, but looking at the new stuff that's out there, what would what would turn you on to a new product? Like, what feature? Uh, well, the last time I really touched it was um, the NDE, which I think is is the the bridging gap to make access control far more ubiquitous than what it's been able to do for the last 30 years. Um, wireless, no wires run stuff like that. Uh, free software, no buy-ins, no contracts, something like that. I, I think that's the, the ticket. And um, I, like I said, I haven't installed it in seven years now. I haven't touched it kind of got in there at the beginning, but from what I'm hearing from our customers, they're starting to use that, or at least their tenants are starting to use that. So they're calling us and saying, Hey, is this going to jive with our key system? And I say, yeah, 
there's nothing wrong with it. Keep going. But I, I, I think that uh, anytime you can do stuff without wires, without altering doors, frames, stuff like that, it's it's going to be a hit. And that's what I would go with because it's just less hassle on my end. Oh, yeah. Schlage NDE is one of our uh, favorites. Uh, the only thing that we don't like about it is that it's not a live system. So you can't get real-time updates about who who just opened door number six, you know, or if you fire an employee, you can't immediately lock them out because if you push it over Wi-Fi, it pushes out like at midnight or, or between 11 and 2 or something like that. Um, if you need an immediate update, you have to actually walk up to each lock with your phone or tablet and update it through the app that way. Um, otherwise, it's great. I, I really like it, and it is easy to install. Uh, that's something else I like about Salto is that their hardware, um, when you get into to some of the exterior trims, of course, you have to drill extra holes, but they make mortise and rim cylinders that go in wherever you would put a regular mortise or rim cylinder. Um, I'll send you guys a, a a picture of it, and we can post it to our our social media. But you know, I think it boils down to knowing what is on the market and knowing what you can do with that system, and taking what the customer says to you and translating it into hardware, and also translating it into money. But some of those systems require running wire. And when you run wire, you generally run into licensing. So does your local jurisdiction have any special licensing requirements for access control? Is it a waste of time? Tyler won't waste your time when we come back When it comes to access control, many jurisdictions have licensing requirements. Even if your door system only needs network cable, some places make you have a license just to pull it. Other cities, counties, and states make you go through a full background check and testing in order for you to get a simple switch, transformer, and strike put together. My question is, is this all just a bureaucratic pain in the ass or is it necessary? it, in Georgia, it's a bureaucratic pain in the ass, and I'll give you a good example. I have had my low-voltage license since 2017. I have not been required to test, provide any sort of CEUs, or any sort of demonstration that I'm up-to-date, still trying to learn, do this, that, or the other. Conversely, real estate agents in the state of Georgia have to submit X amount of hours. I don't know what it is. My buddy's a real estate agent. We were talking about this at the hockey game the other night. He has to do something like 40 hours every two years of CEUs to, I have no idea why, but prove that he's still competent uh, as far as real estate goes. But me, I can work on systems up to 600 volts and I don't have to show shit anymore because I passed an open book test that largely focused on 
Georgia licensing and insurance and uh, business requirements, business law, uh, but they don't care if I'm fucking around with stuff I shouldn't be or or whatever it may be. As long as it's up to 600 volts, I'm covered. I just got to pay my $75 every two years. Jeff, what's it like up in uh, Ohio? Uh, is it by state? Is it by county? You have to have any sort of requirements as far as renewing CEUs, things like that? There's nothing. I mean, technically, I'm sure they would like you to be licensed as an electrical contractor, which if you are, that you have to take a CEUs, you know, you have you have to have a fire alarm, you know, to have a fire alarm license that you have to take a test and renew every year or two. But there's nothing specifically for low voltage security locksmithing. You know, some cities you have to register as a contractor to do everything to do any work, whether that's done, you know, whether that's actually done is a different story. You know, whether the customer's pulling permits or not is a different story. You know, new construction is is different, and we don't do a lot of that. Um, yeah, so it, it's pretty much the Wild West or the Wild Midwest, I should say. Tim, what's it like in South Carolina? Damned if I know about South Carolina, but North Carolina. Uh, yeah, for, for low-voltage license, so like 12-volt DC to run a wire, except with some exceptions. Um. Basically, you have to have your low voltage electrician's license, which covers you up to, I think it's like 200 volts or 220 volts or something like that. Um, but basically, what we're going to deal with is a locksmith. You know, you can do a, a plug in transformer and run 18.2 to a lock set or a controller and be okay. But you also, if you are just licensed as a low voltage electrician, um, you have to get a locksmith that's licensed to install the steel hawk that we were talking about in the last block. Um, so it, it, it's really weird. I, I think that is is basically just a way to get money. I mean, 98% of state laws are designed to generate money for the state so that's my opinion on it yeah i i don't it well in george's case i can't speak for anybody else i don't i don't see why it's it's helping the community at all the background checks are nice yeah and they do make me take a test but again it's it's open books so i don't know if it's really demonstrating any competency they tell me what books to to bring to the test they tell me where the questions are derived from but uh, once I get it, like I said, 2017, all these years later, they haven't asked for any sort of proof beyond the uh, $75 they asked for every other odd year, which means it's coming up in August. I got to pay $75 more. Um, That's I like guess that answers kind of what I was going to go to next uh, as far as your opinion, Tim. Jeff, what do you feel about uh, low voltage licensing or access control, any licensing related to access control do, do you think it's necessary i mean we're only talking 12 24 sometimes 48 volt systems is it is it really necessary i don't think so tim i mean can you i'm sure you're the same way you don't you don't think we need to have licensing for 12 24 48 do you i i do but i don't i i don't think that locksmiths should have to also get a low voltage license I think that you, you know, our job as a locksmith is to make sure that people can get out, right? 
that's that's the core of it any no matter where you are what jurisdiction you're in what your licensing requirements are we have to make sure that people can exit a building and that the wrong well but also that the wrong person can't get in right but in generally speaking the laws are shaped to make sure that people can get out in case of an emergency yeah um it's our moral responsibility to make sure that the wrong person can't get in but it's our legal responsibility to make sure that everybody can get out except at a prison um (laughs) you you don't really want that but you know i think that having some level of competence when you first start is okay but i look back when i took my locksmith license and compared to what i know today i didn't know shit back then uh about general locksmithing so how does that translate to electrical licensing probably about the same tyler like you said uh background checks are i think the the biggest benefit from everything i would say that if you're doing like low voltage cabling i think if you're not licensed i think that's not bad if they license that as its own trade because they're doing a lot of shit that requires that does have codes but if you're already a locksmith and you're already licensed i don't think you should need to get another license you know to plug in a power supply fire alarm i'd agree that that's licensed you know the guys like whatever that guy like you're going around the country installing cabling and shit you got to follow the electrical code you have to do things properly and then i i will add too that i completely agree that fire alarm should be licensed because when you're installing a uh access control system and you've got fail safe fail secure whatever uh, upon notification that the fire alarm system has been uh triggered the people that are tying that in and and handling that definitely need to be licensed they need to be followed up on with ceus because that's uh that's the that's the serious portion of it it's not security it's life safety at that point and very important life safety up next jeff will talk about when you need something that just does something simple we're talking about standalone access control Sometimes a keypad is just a keypad. When a customer needs a standalone lock, you should know what's available and what features it has. And should we really consider residential electronic hardware to be access control? So, you know, when people come in and they they want everything that has the latest bells and whistles and all the features and all the phone integration and all that stuff. And sometimes, you know, you can size up that it's not going to work or they, they're not going to know how to how to do everything when it's installed. Um, you know, we try to keep it simple with the the basic Schlage standalone without, you know, anything fancy, key override. You can have multiple four-digit codes and, you know, that's it. You know, we don't get into the iPhone integration stuff. Um, I mean, occasionally we've had people purchase stuff and we install it for them, you know, really just doing the mechanical part of it. Um, but, you know, on a lot of these older houses, you know, stuff settles and moves around. And if things aren't exactly aligned, the the uh, automated bolts and things like that are not going to work right. 
And so a lot of times we will say either pick a different door, you know, um, you know, it really just depends on the application. We do a lot of standalone like alarm lock trilogies for commercial applications and they could have, you know, half a dozen of those within a building. I mean, that's still going to probably be cheaper than running wire and cutting in strikes and putting in a whole system. Um, but there is, you know, a learning curve as far as programming, maintaining, you got to keep batteries changed and all that. Um, I think I told the story of when we got locked out of our server room when we were changing the batteries because somebody put the keys down. Definitely not me. Um, you know, people probably forget about that stuff. Um you know, it is nice, you know, with the commercial stuff, it it will last longer. I don't like when people want to put a $200 Schlage lock in a commercial building, and I know we're going to be replacing it. And, you know, you try to get them to buy the right thing. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, what do you guys think? Tyler, I know you're, again, you don't have to interact with the customers as much, but Tim, what say you? All right. So as far as the commercial standalone stuff, um, we, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, we look at what the customer wants. And if all they want is somebody to be able to punch in a three-digit code to get in the door of the workplace, uh, we normally stick to like the Schlage CO100. Um, it we found that it works and it lasts. I personally, myself, my boss doesn't share this view, but the alarm lock DL 2700, 2800s, those, those are really, really featureful locks for the price point. Um, they can do scheduling and everything. But, you know, I, I think it, it goes back to trying to determine what you have in stock what you know works you know it, once you know your customers goals then yes you know go to the hardware that you know works um but standalone is really great and to your point if it's difficult for the customer to program that is an opportunity for you to have recurring revenue so you can always make money off of that uh if somebody doesn't know how to change the code then they can call you because you installed it so you can go back out there if they want it changed every month you could set up a servicing agreement with them so i mean that's that's a uh, a money maker right there yeah absolutely um and i guess you know residential electronic hardware is access control at a very basic level um you know, you may not actually be issuing credentials, but you have uh, a code instead of a key. And, you know, once things get more involved, you know, the phone becomes your credential. And I, I, I would agree that that is access control. Um, it's just not centrally managed. So it, it, you know, in a facility, it can quickly become, you know, it can get out of hand. If it's two doors, you know, that's not a big deal, but if it's 20 doors and, you know, there are places where we install a lot of trilogies and that kind of thing, like who manages that stuff? Well, they just call us if there's a problem. Like, okay. And then you find out, you know, the codes haven't been changed in 10 years. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's a mixed bag. And I guess Tyler, cause you know, you did work on the institutional side, but 
did you have you done any residential i mean do you residential standalone stuff or it was really in its infancy back when i touched it uh schlag and quickset both had stuff out um there was one too that we worked on the company since gone out of business but their marketing ploy was that uh, it was bulletproof and they had videos of shooting the lock with guns nine millimeter whatever mm -hmm. but i mean that was the extent of it it definitely didn't have bluetooth well i take that back it was at its infancy and it had schlage had their own proprietary uh what do they call it wigby zigby zigby or z-wave z-wave yes that's what schlage had at the time it was their own gateway for multiple locks in the same house i mean that that was the infancy of it back then mm -hmm. um but but that was it i uh you know our shop we we sold the first year that i worked there we sold upwards of on average probably six to ten schlage encodes the be 489s uh those are the residential grade deadbolts that connect directly to Wi-Fi. Um, I actually got two of the Schlage Sense, the BE-479s, uh, which are the Bluetooth Connect. Uh, they don't connect directly to Wi-Fi, but they are set up to work with Apple HomeKit. I love them. I, I use them daily. I use their integration with Apple HomeKit. So I can say, hey, Siri, unlock my side door, and it's done. And in fact, my phone actually just started to unlock my side door right now because it's unlocked. Um, but, you know, we see a lot of people want that sort of connectivity, um, especially higher-end residential where they may have cleaning people, dog walkers, um, other services come in and they want to schedule the times that they can you know have access in other words the dog walker comes monday through friday between two and four p.m their code only works monday through friday between two and four p.m uh, we have a lot of requests for that on the other hand schlage j series the jbe 105 is their basic electronic deadbolt and like Tyler was saying, is pretty much bulletproof. Uh, it's $150 list price, and we've not had one single one fail, and we've probably installed over 200 of them in the past year that has been out. And our Allegiant rep also has not heard of one failing. He specifically asked if we had had any that broke. Yeah, I don't even see. I'm I'm just looking those up here. Are they under Schlage keypads or what? The the part number is JBE105. And then it's like uh GAT 619 would be the rounded uh 619. Okay, I see it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, and they are super super simple to install. They're super simple for the customer to replace the batteries in mm -hmm. um not as super simple well it, yeah just as super simple is like the encode um the encode is the easiest one to change the batteries in because the battery tray just lifts straight out 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the JBEs don't offer any type of audit trail, whereas the BE 489s, and as I understand it, the BE 499s, which are the ENCODE Plus, uh, they offer audit trail through the Schlag app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, we're only just doing this the very basic stuff. A couple codes in there, and that's really it. Okay, well, if you want to hear more about what we just talked about, please be kind and rewind to the beginning. It really helps our ratings. If not, just stick around for spare parts. I don't think any of us will control your access to this part of the show, where we let our hair down and talk about random stuff that's on our minds at the end of the week. Jeff, you go first. Uh, just another crazy week. Always an adventure. Tyler, what have you had? I'm just enjoying the shit out of March Madness. Been watching it all week, and I'm going to watch it all tonight. Thing I know about basketball is what a basketball looks like. Okay, in Pinal County, Arizona, San Manuel, Arizona, homeowner found something unexpected when he got home from work. Instead of finding his dog in the dog bed, they found a bobcat in the dog bed. They believe that the bobcat got into the house through an unlocked pet door. The uh, Wildlife Service responded and was able to safely uh, ensure that the Bobcat had left, which it did while the Wildlife Service was en route. Just a reminder to all you pet owners out there, you should probably get high security cylinders or I do know that they have electronic access control pet doors on the market. I've seen it on Amazon. All I can think about is that TikTok where that kid's like pretending to shoot his cat and the dad's like, what you got there? He's like, big old bobcat. You watch too much children's programming. Yeah, well, I've got three of them, so. Oh, I know. Well, as usual, we've wasted another three quarters of an hour of your time listening to this lousy podcast. If by some chance you actually enjoyed it, or more likely spend the entire time eating antacids, we'd love to hear about it. Either way, send your love slash hate mail on the back of a $20 bill to the address in the show notes below, or tweet us at 3TumblersPod. Our executive producer is Tyler J. Thomas. Our technical producer is the lovely Jeff Moss, and I am your writer and editor, Tim Coleman. Our door closer technician is LCN. Our personal trainer is Euripides Abs. And our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Otherwise known to the forum one Smiths as Huey Louie Dewey. Big old Bobcat. Go sports. Have a great weekend. This has been a Three Tumblers production. Season 1. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts.